0: Welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Welcome to the ABCA's mini-series, Father and Son. In this series, we cover the coach-player and parent-child relationship through the eyes of the coach and their sons who played for them. This is a truly unique relationship, and this mini-series should be of value to any coach, parent, or player. Thanks for tuning in, and please enjoy Father and Son. Today on Father and Son, I sit down with Tracy and Casey Smith. Tracy's coached for 30 years. He's had stops as an assistant at Miami of Ohio and IU. He's been a head coach for 23 years with stops at Miami of Ohio, IU, and Arizona State. I got to see firsthand Tracy build the program at IU and watch Casey play for him. Casey played for Tracy at IU from 2010 to 2014. He was a starter for the 2013 College World Series squad. Casey currently works in production in the entertainment industry. Welcome to Father and Son. All right, here with Tracy and Casey Smith, uh, all the way out on the West Coast. So appreciate you guys jumping on with me today.
1: Problem. Had to have some coffee to get up. You got me out of bed (laughs) earliest.
0: I was on one yesterday where I I didn't participate, but I was listening. Ryan Hawk was on there with uh, the Mind Leads Performance guys, uh, because I do listen to his Learning Leaders podcast. So that one started at 7.30 in the morning, and Andy, one of the guys that runs, it's on the West Coast, so it was 5.30 for him. Yesterday when he did it, it was wild.
1: I would have been in maybe my second or third dream state at that point.
0: (laughs) And I want to jump into the recruiting process for for both of you. During the recruiting process, Casey, and I did see you in high school, what were the conversations that you guys were having? And, you know, Casey, what other schools were you looking at? If you guys can both speak to to the process of recruiting for both of you guys.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, so personally for me, um, I was pretty dead set on West Point, actually. At the time, um, I think other schools like Ball State, Louisville, sent some information. Uh, yeah, I think you and I had some conversations in the kitchen that uh, just transpired to become you know me leaving early and heading to him. But early on, yeah, I was pretty dead set on this West Point route, and then I think it was just one of your pitchers had gone down and.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were some circumstances within the, like, our team dynamic already at IU that kind of, you know, looking back, like, I, I as a parent, I wish I probably wouldn't have interjected into that. In other words, like, yeah, we had some injuries and we're like, hey, man, you know, do this early and come. And I don't know at the end of the day if that was in the best interest of him, <laughs> <It was laughs> the best interest of me, <laughs> um, you know, and, but it was, you know, it, but the the, the thing that stands out in my mind on that whole recruiting process, because as he said, like it was the West Point thing, you know, we had a fantastic um, experience and visit and, and going back to just the parent piece of this, there was like, it was like your body was split, you know, your body was split because there's this half of your, your, um, who you are is like, man, your son is considering this unbelievable institution of West Point, the education, but probably on a different level at that time, man. I mean, it was, a little bit, you know, even more interesting, but he's going to go, you know, service country. I mean, what greater calling because you're talking to the coach and he's like, look, I can't tell you that you're not going to go to active duty and, you know, and serve in a, in a, in a combat area because I think, in fact, correctly, my mom, what they're talking about because they've lost a couple of their former yeah, baseballs at the time. and So there's that half of you going, gosh, I'd be extremely proud as a parent, but then there's the other half of you that's like, I'd, I mean, you know, scared to death. And, you know, so I was like, it was just literally like there was two sides to me, like, boy, it'd be cool if he did that. And boy, what a, what a, what a great statement that makes of who he is. But then the, probably back to the selfish parent piece of this, and this is, you know, the, the the reality of your show of, hey man, we all as coaches, head coaches, and I know your dad would say the same, but we, we spend a lot more time with other people's kids than we, than we do our own and. Like, how cool would that be? Because we don't get that time back that he would come and
2: maybe play for me. But I was, I always wanted it. I mean, as being the 36th member for the previous, you know, 17, 18 years of my life to finally get a chance to get asked to be official, you know, I would always work out with these guys, you know, before high school, we do 6am workouts. I was pit. I mean, it, it was there. I wanted it. You know, I wanted to go, and so when it was finally like, hey, let's do this thing, it was a no-brainer, no-brainer.
0: And, Tracy, you were building things at that point because I, I got to Iowa, and then you guys, you and Ty got to, to IU, and so you could see that things were starting to build. And, Casey, did that, did that play in your mind at all? Like you're seeing what your dad's building at IU, and you wanted to be a part of that?
2: Of course. I mean, our family gets behind everything that he does. So to finally wear the uniform and actually be, you know, influential in some, some form, I was all about it. It was more or less just getting out there and playing even with some of the guys that I had built a relationship with just by being the coach's son.
0: Exactly. So, How did you guys handle the father-son and player-coach relationship during college?
2: Uh... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you insert yourself as a freshman, and everyone thinks you're the coach's son. That kind of <laughs> you don't get the call to hang out as much, but we adapted, and I
1: mean, that was probably the biggest hurdle was yeah. just explaining to him, "Hey, man, you will, n- and you know, like that, you'll yes. never, yeah. and I'll underline never be one of them." Yes, being you know that, and again, that's not gonna, that's not saying you're not gonna have. Great relationships, unbelievable friendships, standing side by side in them, and weddings, and all of those things. But <laughs> just by virtue of you having a blood connection to that coach, there's always going to be some sort of little percentage of—I don't want to say distrust. That's that's too much. But you're never going to be one of the guys because you have a loyalty to
2: the. Yeah, it was always like I just—you know—you had to do a little bit more on both sides but then there is also something unique in seeing both sides seeing you know where a teammate might have an issue that he's not able to resolve that I'm able to take you know what the coaches I know they're feeling and and be that communicator but now I mean it came with both positives and negatives but then you just I mean if you're good no one's going to say anything so just had to keep as consistent as possible in that regard but no it was up and down but it ended up being great so nothing to complain
0: and i i got off easy because of my brother you know my brother went through it first and so i was able to obviously hang out with some of those older guys when i was in high school while my brother was going through it so i think that made my experience much easier because i had had hung out with those guys in a, a little bit more of a social setting, um, where it made it easier for me um, to be able to be one of the teammates, just because my brother had gone through it. Tracy, had you coached Casey at all before college? Did you have any coaching settings before college?
1: Um, kind of, but we had started just being by virtue of Bloomington didn't have a real strong presence, and this was when the whole travel ball thing was growing, but. You Know, we had started a team, actually a Midland team, and I was more of the general manager type. I would pop in from recruiting and stuff like that. And, um, but no, we actually hired separate coaches. And actually, that was back in Ohio when I said, yeah, yeah, was, yeah so we, we took it to Bloomington. Um, but yeah, I just kind of stayed more of an external role as opposed to the actively
2: coaching
0: casey what were the biggest challenges playing in your hometown
2: as in bloomington yes yep um i I would say looking back on it now maybe just that experience of being on my own so i mean i don't see a challenge when you can have all your family there exactly that's that's fun but it was just maybe the idea of really being out there on my own to try to figure out some things I think one thing that was tough, too, you know, it's like, who do I call after a bad game? You know what I mean? Like, you have to have, like... Yeah, but what would I always say? But, of course. But, I mean, it's just those little things. I like, would always give them the option. I said, do
1: you want me to talk to you as dad or do you want me to talk <laughs> yeah. to me as coach? I literally would say that for the time they were little. I'm like, I'll let you pick which one you want to hear from.
0: <laughs> well, Casey, yeah. did you lean on your mom for that? I mean, what about with the recruiting and then also with the college side? Did you lean on your mom a little bit with that?
2: Uh... I think she would probably say we shouldn't have played together, but <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, it, it's, it's more or less the 2013 year is the thing, the year that stands out. I think early on, it was obviously just trying to find some playing time, went through some injuries, some struggles on the field. So, you know, leaning, my dad was always there, but like he said, you, know, you had to ask who you were talking to and the same went with when I had my first beer as well. So, 21 is you drink i didn't know that my drinking with my coach on christmas break or my dad so
0: my so, brother uh, and i had we had set guidelines uh he he and i were f- over four years apart so we never really played e- with each other we played with each other in the little league but that was it but he and i had to set guidelines uh much more than my dad and i just because we were more peers So our our deal was only Christmas time. That was the only time that he and I were were ever together in any sort of social setting. Other than that, it was it was all business. So he and I had a lot to work work through on that. Casey, get into some of your college days because you had a a very unique experience because you came in as a dual player, you pitched, uh, you played position. Then you took a redshirt year and you threw the javelin for the track and field team. Yeah. You know, th- this has been great for me because I'm doing all this research. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting reminders because it's all things that, you know, but until you revisit them, like all this stuff starts coming up. So Casey, talk about that being a dual player, then throwing the javelin and then do get into the, the Omaha run for you. And then you can talk a little bit about after that too, just with, with being banged up and basically retiring. Um, just go through the whole process for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, One thing to add too, so at one point I remember I was also Army ROTC, which was beyond – I don't know what I was thinking doing all this stuff, but I think I was just trying to find and do everything possible. Um, So, yeah, coming in, I pitched early, had some struggles, had some injuries – then I joined the army, ROTC, and then we're doing so. I mean, one of my days would be wake up at six a.m., do PT with the army, go to school, um, go to baseball practice, go throw the javelin after baseball, and then do study tables with all my guys. So it 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 was my college was like how how many things can I do at once? The
1: ja- I'm gonna tell you, Brian, the javelin, the javelin story is I think one of the funniest damn <laughs> yeah, stories in sad. the history of college baseball. <laughs> Can I interject? Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, jump in there.
1: So, it was funny. Like, he was battling. I think you were sidelined that year because of the ankle injury or whatever. And I remember our track coach, Ron Helmer, going, hey, man, do you have anybody on the team that you know, has some arm strength that we might be able to borrow and score, score for us in track? I'm like, ah, I got a guy. So, I said, my son's actually sidelined right now, but he could use his arm to throw, whatever. So, Casey goes off and does the, the the damn javelin or whatever. He comes back after his first beat all excited. He goes, man, I placed like second. And and he's having no experience. And so we're all jacked. And this was an away meet, right? Yeah. And yeah. so we're all like excited. It's like, hey, we're, we're, we're at home this weekend. So we take the family to go watch him throw the javelin. And he's out there and it's throwing. And these other dudes, man, are throwing these things across the field with this giant trajectory. And here comes Casey with that weird thing. These things are coming out like defunct scud missiles like <laughs> going about half the distance and i remember leaning back going what the heck is this like i thought he was good and then to come to find out had a he, torn he totem- tore his acl throwing the javelin oh god UCLA, or you see i'm sorry ucl throwing the javelin at that time and i remember going back to my track
2: buddy going thanks a lot man like we you know it was the weirdest thing so yeah at practice i just remembered sharing it <laughs> yeah
1: so he, he goes he goes from trying to fill in and just score some points to getting tommy john <laughs> uh, yeah, throwing the javelin i mean oh
2: yep.
1: <laughs> uh, but i'll never forget that those <laughs> the javelins flying across the field from the other competitors and then he comes out with these like meager
2: tosses on the, hey, but the track way. track practice was nice man he, you just pop your top off. You just go throw a javelin for a couple hours and, and go get Now a the condi- conditioning was a little bit more difficult than baseball. I'll say that, but it was the experience overall in college. And then and then I really just focused. I think going into my junior year, I remember just like I'm going to focus on baseball. I lived in the cages, and then I had a good year at the plate. And just wrote it out from there. I just remember I kind of, you know, trying everything just to get it right. And I was like, you know what, let's just slow down. Let's focus on one thing. Um, try to be a better teammate, a leader at that time. At that point, it was like finally I could, you know, I'm not dealing with upperclassmen uh, thinking of me as a coach's son. So it was like I have my guys and there, my teammates. And we had that year was just a good year.
0: Well, it had to be gratifying for both of you because that's your best year of college, and then you do end up going to Omaha that year. You know, that had to be gratifying for both of you.
1: Well, you know, people always ask me, hey, what's your best baseball moment? And I always tell people, I said, it actually wasn't like a physical, you know, know, watching a walk-off hit or whatever. It was truly, for me, it was Omaha 2013, walking through the center field gates opening ceremony with, not just your son, but your son who's a starting player on your team and then having your dad and your other boys there. I mean, that to me, all of the stuff that we're talking about, and I know you experienced the trials and tribulations of being a coach's son and that dynamic and how crazy that is. It all was worth it for me for like that moment. Yes, You know?
0: And I was there. I saw your for. I saw your rounds because I, you know, I'd known you guys forever and saw what you built and ties on your staff. Like, I, I was yeah. proud of you guys. That that whole thing was great for me too because I just, you know, how hard it is to get there. You know, even with some of the best teams that you have, you may never get there. It's so hard to get there, and it's, you'd been building. And I saw your early days when Fagley and those guys were freshmen, and you know, you just appreciate. When a guy puts that type of work in and lets those young guys develop and and holds on to them, like, I I just appreciated everything that you guys built. So, like, I I was proud for you guys, too, when I watched you guys play during the World Series. It was fun. Casey, talk about growing up around it. How much did that help you then when you got to college? You know, you sit at a ballpark, you watch, you're in dugouts, you're on buses. How much did that help you then when you got to college?
2: It's just, it's completely different, and I tell my brothers that all the time. When you're playing for him, it's a whole nother thing. It's like me growing up, one, we had a fort at every single away field, right? So you're just – I lived in dugouts. I'm running around. Like you're idolizing these players. It helped in a sense of – it made it really fun for me to be on the team. It was like just a heyday of – you know, my career in athletics, like, it's so different. And it was finally fun to realize, like, what it actually meant to stay consistent with his messaging and to not just be the little kid on the side. I think, I think like, towards high school when I was able and he would let me pitch against his guys, I mean, that helped to know that I could strike some guys out every once in a while or, you know, go take infield. I mean, I felt like I could play felt like I could hold my own. Um, But yeah, and and just like I said, like the biggest piece for me, if I could look back on it, was like being the mitigator between the player and the coaching staff. And I think just knowing, you know, going into a locker room and sitting in the coach's locker room and hearing their thoughts after a game and then being able to take knowing what they would be talking about and then helping that teammate – that might think that the coach is out to get in when that's not the case. I mean, that That's where it helped in being able to be like my own like assistant coach in a way to my guys.
0: Tracy, you're a huge p- proponent of other sports. I know you still do basketball. You do pick up football, all that. When did Ty and Jack decide to stop playing baseball?
1: Well, Ty, <laughs> Ty. <laughs> but we laugh because – I always, when I think of Ty and baseball, I think of that, that, that car commercial where the dad's teaching his kid the arm action, the horrible <laughs> arm action. And I said, it's funny. I got three boys who've been around it their entire lives, and then my middle son, Ty, has the worst arm action on the planet. So that's when he stopped. He could hit a little bit. He actually yeah. could hit. Um, Jack still, it was interesting because – uh, he was flirting around with that even coming out here. So when we took the job out here, he hadn't played baseball in probably two years and joins the team out here his senior year. And actually, Ryan got, you know, a couple organizations were interested in drafting him. Um, but the football thing took over for him. So, And we toyed around with the idea of going on the roster again because he can run a little bit, just be a little pinch runner. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was all of them have been around it their entire lives. But Ty
2: was the one that kind of gave it up early. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Jack was the all-time pitcher. Any Any time we played, you know, fast pitch tennis ball with Jack had to had to play. But football for those guys, man, they they still playing. So
0: Trace, I do want to mix some specific baseball questions in for you too, just because you've done it forever and you've seen what they're supposed to look like. Where does Spencer Torkelson rank um, with? The best that you've coached because I saw firsthand and had to deal with uh Alex Dickerson and and Kyle Schwarber also. So, where does he rank out of the best? Guys yeah, I mean, you always, coached?
1: yeah, uh, you know, I mean, maybe it's because of recent uh, they all bring a little something different, yep. you know. But I mean, I, I say this, and when you even if you mention Torque's name in the same sentence as the Dickerson and the Schwarber and the whatever, um, he's different, man. I mean, he's. He's, uh, I, I, uh, I see, th- I'd see things out of him on a daily basis that you're just like, is that even humanly possible? Yep. You know? Um So I would say he's, he's up there. I, I mean, I hesitate sometimes because of saying uh he's the best talent, Yes, but he is, in case he, I mean, you know, he's yeah, I mean, he's a, he is a guy. great dude. Oh, like, he's too. got that, that's, you know, like Schwarber, you know, is this. When you people walk away from Schwarber, they're like, "Oh my God, what a great guy he is!" You know, he's got that same thing. I mean, he's not full of himself or whatever. But that dude, man, he is unreal, unreal.
0: Well, let me ask you: You've been around some great ones. How many of your selfish players have really gotten to where they should have gotten to?
1: I mean, I'm shaking my head. I guess I need to speak because we're doing a podcast. Uh, not, I mean, really, not it, that's not a quality that that serves well to get to where you want to be and maximize. So uh, truthfully, because, yeah, the guys that have played in the big leagues, you know, we talked about Fagley earlier. I mean, one of my favorite memories of, like, Josh Fagley, would we'd come back to, you know, alumni weekend or whatever, and I'd have some guys that would sit out the alumni game because they didn't want to take a chance on ruining their opportunities and their career. My, and they're playing, like, A-ball or not even playing A-ball. There's Fagley out there pitching, catching, playing third, diving, doing whatever. And I'd point to them and go, that's why that dude's in the big leagues right there because he loves to play. Um,
0: Well, I knew that. You'd sit down with him. Like That's what I loved about the convention when I was coaching is he's there, he's working uh, for a family member, running one of the booths, and he's still trying to make it. And then he comes up to the room with us and hangs out and you're talking to him, like, he, that guy gets it. Like, he understands. He's a baseball – you know, it's your typical definition of that guy's a baseball guy. He's a baseball we, guy.
1: We would sit – we'd be on – you know, traveling and stuff. And I'd, one thing, I always mess around with the guys. I'm like, this is a little morbid. We would say, okay, where are you going to die? <laughs> and, like, some guys would be like, you're going to die in, like, a supermarket, like, cutting beef or something. <laughs> like, you're going to do this. But, vaguely, like, dude, you're going to, like, die on a baseball field. Yes. You know, that's like <laughs> – it's kind of a morbid thought, right
0: there. And but still on that, Tracy, I, I, no one will probably give you credit, but I think where podcasts and Zoom chats and all this stuff, like everybody owes you credit because of Skip Scoop, and I was a long time Skip Scoop. <laughs> I, hey, that was the best thing about the office at Iowa. I'd be sitting in the office and I'd be like, okay, Tracy put out another skip scoop. So I think everybody like needs to give you credit for... I think you started all of this.
1: And it started on those darn flip phones. They haven't really embraced that concept out here. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken a lot of uh, stuff for that, um, which... But no, that's me, you know, and, and I appreciate And that's why that. I loved it
0: because you got to see an insight of like who you actually are, I, I don't think yeah. we have enough of that now. I think everybody's so guarded and, and people are scared to like really throw themselves out there. But that that was you. Like I appreciated the fact that you, you were being yourself.
1: I've taken a lot, honestly, I've taken a lot of crap for that out here, you know, because I think people misinterpret. They see this and they see that as ego. And, and it's like, and, and what I would say to people is like, Go back and look at my, like I was doing this like Yes way back when. And, I it
0: was an insight into your program. Like I, I took it for what it was. Like I loved it because you got insight on what was going on with your program.
1: And yeah. baseball's fun. Yes. Is it not? Yes. I mean for that, sure. that's the, the culture of it. The yes. culture I mean the, 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 the thing that makes our sport so fun is all of those stupid, silly things. I just, you know, it's funny you say that because I wanted to get a laugh the other day and I I was talking to my student managers out here. I pulled out the old and I, I tell, do this today, go back and do the skip scoop manager's version (laughs) and check that one out. Um, but you know, but the the other practical piece of that is, is it, as you said, you want to create reality for your recruits. Exactly. And I remember we had, we had a kid that committed early to us on one thing, and I said, why'd you do that? And he said, well, because I went and watched all the Skip Scoops." Exactly. You know? <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny. So, yeah, we were ahead of our time.
0: Casey, talk about what you're doing now, and talk about your experience with playing for your dad and how that helped you after college.
2: Yeah, so I'm directing and producing commercial and commercial film, as well as, you know, we have a TV show that we've been working on for the past two and a half years, um... In college, I got injured, picked up a camera, just kind of opened up. I honestly, just what do we call it, little skip scoop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was the first little wave of that. I fell in love with the camera, um, just in general, like putting together a production. Um, now I'm currently doing that. The market's a little tough right now, um, but you know, college prepared me. Robbie Benson. I'm not sure if you know that name, but. I think as soon as I was injured, he actually moved into our neighborhood. Here's
1: how he would know it. Yeah. So, so Robbie Benson was a film star yeah. back. He was like the Justin Bieber on the Teen Beat magazine back in the whatever. But you would probably know him. He was the voice of Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Of the
2: animated. So, yeah. that's kind of. Yeah. So, he kind of, you know, at the time put me in a couple of his classes. I fell in love with it even more. Just continued. Dollars started to follow. And you know, haven't let it down. And then with athletics, it's the same thing. You're working with teams. Um, you have a goal and it's a beautiful process completely. The structure's a lot different. You're dealing with some interesting cast of characters, but you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have, you know, the, the training of just being on a good team and the ability to push through some things but no, I mean, it started in college. It's still going.
0: Casey, are you seeing any similarities on that side with performance and how they have routines and any set routines, what you're seeing out of actors? You know, do you see any similarities with that?
2: 100%, the the approach at every level. The biggest thing is when you have a fluid team and everyone does their role and just to see that come alive on a set. And I remember specifically that 2013 team, it was just like, a good production typically matches with that when people aren't overstepping, trying to be every position. They're just doing their job. It is the exact same thing in film. It's that trust to know that that guy's got that, you know, side of his work, and you know, just everything coming together. Like, you're taking risks. Um, it's a different form of risk. It's not a physical. But the mental capacity, like the ability, like we've had 72 hour straight mixes for sound. And like, if I didn't have, you know, the training or whatever I did back in college, like I don't know how I would push through some of that stuff. And you just keep grinding.
0: And I would bring that up in the recruiting process. So just all of this stuff that you're going to do at the college level as a baseball player is going to prepare you to be successful in whatever you decide to do. Outside of athletics, and that might be play for a long time. Hopefully, you get a chance to play in the big leagues, but you know, the likelihood of that happening, it's not going to happen. So, all of this stuff that you're going to be asked to do, go to class, you know, and, and I love that you were with the ROTC program, Casey, because at Western, we we did a lot with the ROTC program. So we would get up in the morning with them and do some challenges with them. I love that side of it, and uh, Tracy, yep. I know you were doing that with your guys as well. Um, I just think all of those things add into to creating successful people once they're done.
1: Well, I, I what well, the part of the story that he left out that I think is interesting, like with this particular topic was how that, you know, how it all started because you go back to 2013, he was an integral part of, of our success and our team. And then he was injured again the following year. And this is like, you talk about a crossroad in the father son relationship because um, I, you know, when I call him into the office and say, Hey man, you're just not performing. And I know you did it last year, but sorry, you're not starting now. And I can remember that day vividly. So he kind of goes through a, a rough spot in his life about, he was in a pretty, you remember that you pretty dark place. And I remember, yeah, yeah. you know, talking to Robbie Benson just on the side and said, Hey man, would you mind? Like my son is kind of searching right now. He's always been an athlete, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know that that's going to happen. And so that's how all of that happened. And I even like look at you right now, your life in sport and, you know, the path, the coaching and all that. And now what you're doing, we have to be able to adapt and change. But everything we learn along the way in sport, I think it shortens our learning curve for sure.
0: And, I, you know, my freshman year was my hardest of all four, but my dad was honest with me at times. And, you know, I'm interviewing here, him here in a little bit, and we'll get into that. His fre- my freshman year, he looked at me in the fall. He's like, hey, if you don't get better, like, you may have to think about leaving because, you know, th- this may or may not work. And I, I, it was hard to hear, but you appreciate the honesty, and I think you have to have that because if not, then it's it's fake.
1: Well, but, you know, I think sometimes people look at having a son on the team. And I'm just saying now I'm speaking from my perspective and probably your dad as well as a negative or this whole thing of nepotism or whatever. I always looked at it because I would have. So I go through that experience where I got to take my son, who partly responsible for producing him from a biological standpoint, um, and. <laughs> So I have no greater bond than that. I have no greater feeling than that. And then when you call that person into your office and say, hey, man, you're not contributing, you know, at the level we need, we're going to make a change. So when I would have other players who weren't biologically connected to me, say, coach, <clears throat> I don't think you like me or blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and I would always point out that example. And say, hey, if it were about like or loving somebody or like, I said, my son would play every day and bat three-hole. I
2: said, I don't care about that stuff. I care about winning. Yep. In this scenario, I care exactly. about winning. So well, I, I would use it. it as a – Even to interject on that, you got to understand that growing up, I, he's coming home after a loss or any, any sort of thing. Our family, I would remove myself. You know what I mean? So it got to a point to where I was smart enough to know that my performance and how can I like I wanted him to win.
0: Exactly. You have you know a much I mean? better understanding you, you of do of, whatever
2: uh, the hell you got to do. If if I'm not performing like I had a very good understanding that like this affects how our family does. Well, cuz you, cause you that see that it thing. firsthand,
0: like you see when he gets home, like you you saw it all growing up, like you understand how the wins we and win losses and affect this is our life. Like you yeah, you, you understand is. you completely understand how the wins and losses affect exactly. all of it. See,
1: Exactly. So everybody that you're interviewing for this particular segment of that, which I love the topic of the father son thing, understands that intimately it's because they've been in, they've been in the arena. Yes. So I think it's very valuable. I mean, the message that I would want to say and uh, blurt out is no, man. It, it, it's it is about winning. You yes. know, 100%. And, and um, you know, because I, I always think it just gets perceived as as, as a negative. Sometimes when you pull a kid on the team, you know, I think people think there's ulterior motives to that. And I know your dad, I've known your dad for a long time. I mean, that dude's wired for one thing, winning.
0: Oh, Tracy, so, here's, here's one of the common bonds that you see, though, out of doing this. And it's going to end up being a lot of interviews. That time that that kid played for their dad usually is the best time they've had coaching as far as wins. Oh, really? Yes, yeah. Like, you see that, and I think, you know, Casey talked oh, about a- that. You know, talk about I, – I think I think because the other players on the team see what it means, and also the kid can give a little bit better perspective as far as some of the thought process that the daily, dad is going – That
2: go- is a real thing.
0: That's a real thing. Like, you
2: can it's give them,
0: okay, here, here's what my dad actually thinks. Not that you're – it's not a – It's not a rumor thing. It's like, okay, here's what he's actually thinking. Like, yeah, my dad still loves you, by the way. Like, you may not think that all the time, but my dad still loves you as a person, and it's not personal. The the roster decisions that are made are not personal things because you want to have success, and you see that firsthand as somebody growing up around it that it does mean more. So, yes, there's going to be just some decisions that are made, That may not help you individually, but it's to help the team overall and to help the program.
2: I mean there were so many times I had to keep my mouth shut (laughs) on both sides. But you know what I mean? Like I'm holding information that I know could change literally but like yes both sides. Yes. But you know what I mean? So it's like I was I felt like a filter.
0: Tracy, do you feel like that has probably helped you the most then after Casey was done playing for you, just with some of the conversations that you're able to have with with guys after that and maybe some of your perspectives from coaching your own son in college?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just honestly by being virtue – and I've said this – by being virtue of being a parent in general, of raising kids. I mean, I know – I look at things differently now as a 54-year-old head coach as opposed to a 30-year-old head coach having raised – kids through that time and that's not saying a guy can't be a good coach without being a parent but i think it allows you a different perspective and um but yeah i mean i've used that example that i just said with players to this day exactly you know about hey man i mean i I called my own son in and sat his rear end down because he wasn't performing so it isn't about you know my personal feelings to you it's about what you're doing to help the team or not help the team period
0: what final thoughts do you guys have? Anything that can help parents, coaches, players that are listening in? What final thoughts do you guys have?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, on what subject? Like uh, on Anything.
0: What? I mean, you're in it right now. You, you've you been in it for a long time. You've seen guys that have made it. You know, you're at, you're at the highest level of, of coaching. You know, just anything that you feel like can help uh, baseball in general or parenting well, I, in general.
1: I, I mean, my, the comment that just kind of jumps out in my mind right now, and it's, it's not new. The world owes you nothing. Exactly. You know, and, and I even look at it in my own personal circumstances and what we're going through right now with you know COVID and and uh, all of that. But it's like there's it's it's I'm saying it and it's it's not a secret. But like you know, we've been on a six year process and a journey to get to a certain point. Even at Arizona State, I mean, leaving a very comfortable situation in Indiana and whatever, and taking on a challenge, um, and have had some really really tough times in the middle of that and tough in terms of wins and losses and then getting to a point where you build and you mentioned it the torquelsons or whatever but you know we're loaded right now our team and then to have that abruptly cut off and you know but i take a step back from that as a coach okay if i'm going to ask my players to do the same thing which is control what you can control the world owes you nothing well the world doesn't owe me a season You know what I mean? It's like, so what should you focus on? Well, then what you should focus on is the daily interaction of being a great teammate, a great leader, a great coach, and all those things, and not put things so far out ahead because you know this. And kids are – I mean, a lot of people, they're like, what's the next step? You know, like whether it be getting a scholarship or playing professional baseball, my message would be enjoy the moment Yes. because if this whole thing hasn't taught us anything – It's literally our world got shut down in a matter of, of weeks. So let's not take that stuff for granted. Let's not take the everyday. back to my specific situation. It dawned on me. This is probably the greatest team I've ever had. We had some good ones. But this one, I'm telling you, wait and see what happens with the draft. But it dawned on me after it was all over and everybody got on planes and separated and all this. I said, we didn't even get a team picture. Greatest. I mean, I've been in this my entire life, Wow. been in this in my entire life. And I'm like, I didn't even get, a, like, I have no memory of this. I, I won't have a physical, like, memory of this group together. So that would be my message to people that are listening is, hey, man, don't look so far out into the future. Keep your feet in today and enjoy the experience today because the world owes you nothing. Exactly. this hasn't taught us that, I don't know what will. Yep.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Cherish the now. I mean, the plans. Even as an entrepreneur, I, I had all my goals, my five-year plan. That is out the door. And, and it is. It's like, what do you just do in the moment right now how can you bring that character every single day that just keeps you present
0: and i was listening this morning tony robbins has put out a couple different ones lately with with some stem cell researchers but he made an interesting point they talked about like 2008 with the the crash every time there's been something like this people have come out of it better you know, and, and it'll be the same thing with this. Like the, the people that can adjust and adjust on the fly are going to come out of this thing better. And you look at baseball, where baseball was at right before all this happened. Baseball isn't the best place it's ever been. Once we get this under control and move on, it's going to go back and probably be better for it yeah. uh, at the pro college, high school side because of all this. And everybody got a little bit of a reset with this. You know, when's the last time you and Casey got to spend this amount of time together? You know, those are things that you appreciate a little bit more. And, you know, it's going to end up being, you know, it's not great now. But, again, people are going to come out of this thing fine.
2: Well,
1: looking at what we're doing right now, when's, when's the last time? Let's just say we're in the middle of our season right now. And, I, you know, I'm not saying we wouldn't, but I'm just saying we may not have taken the time, exactly. the opportunity to have this conversation to talk about things that are very relevant and, quite frankly, more meaningful than a lot of the things we deal with every day. So the, the word that I use is pivot, you know, like if, and and if you're not able to pivot and make adjustments in life, you know, going back to the, we were on a call the other day and just talking in the business world about businesses that will thrive. Ours is the business of baseball, but ones that can pivot, readjust, do their different thinking. And those that just sit in the woe is me category, good luck to you. You know.
0: And this father and son segment is something that I thought about when I took the job just because of my relationship with it. But if the season's still going, I'm out watching games, I'm dealing with coaches, we don't get to this point to have these conversations. And this was just good timing with it because it's been in the back of my mind since September to have these interviews because it's something that nobody's really talked about. And I think it's a huge fabric of our game of baseball. You look at all levels of baseball. There's been dads that have coached their kids since the beginning of time. So, you know, or moms even now to having to coach at the little league level, this has been something that's been going on forever. And to shed a little bit of light on just the process of all this for me is awesome. And I think people are going to get so much out of these conversations to because they're real these are real conversations and yep. these are real these aren't fake these are legitimate conversations that dads and moms have to have with their sons that that aren't the easiest things at times but you still have to go through them and that's part of the growth process as well
1: yep well and i love this topic specific topic of the, the father-son relationship because often and maybe it's at the lower levels in youth sport or whatever well because it's the coach's son but when you get to a higher level of performance or expectation I think what you're probably learning through this podcast is, you know, when you get to that, it's it's about winning. And just like with him, I would agree. And I I would love to see the research on what you said about the time, the winning percentage of when the kids were on there, because you are success comes with communication. So you've got that that conduit that can, you know, go both ways, if you will, and help the communication. So I, I'm
2: really intrigued by that. That's exactly. Never thought of it. Never yep. thought of that. Yep. It and saves that is a lot of time on the chemistry of keeping things moving.
0: Exactly. All right, boys. I appreciate it. This was awesome appreciate
2: for you, me. Man. Yep. Yep. And
0: oh,
1: hey, by the ahead. way, that's not a fake background. I,
0: <laughs> I know. I'm joking, so <laughs> Every time I see you on Twitter, I'm like, "Gosh, that looks great,
1: man! Yeah. It's awesome." Here's where nice. we need to have a get you on know, down in there one night. Yep. Belly up. I don't know if you can see that, but that's actually a bar top that's in the pool and sitting there. That's so beautiful. open invitation. Yep. yep. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you. See ya. See ya.
0: Baseball truly is America's pastime. We are all stewards of this great game. I'm so excited to shine a light on these unique perspectives. All of these guests show their passion and love for each other and the great game of baseball. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks for listening to Father and Son and remember to leave it better for those behind you.